to come today and be a part of your service. Um, 29 years ago, my wife and I had this crazy idea that we can reach inner city families in downtown Minneapolis where people's lives can be changed, where people can be transformed literally from takers to givers. We bought this abandoned house right down um, just south of downtown on Franklin Avenue. And um, it, we had bootleggers next to us. We had crack houses behind us. It was a pastor's paradise. You know, I mean, I mean, this is where you want to be. If you want to pastor a church and touch hurting people, this is the place to be, right? So we bought this house, and we're just fixing it up. And, and my son had just been born, and one afternoon... We took a, a break from the work and um, just eating some lunch in our backyard. If you don't mind, I'm going to come down here if my, if my rope here doesn't keep me too close, right? And um, anyway, um, so one afternoon we were just taking a little break from the work and hanging out and uh, kind of enjoying our neighborhood. You know, I mean, always something happening, fights, shootings, you name it, right? And uh, my neighbor, the bootlegger, comes out for the first time. And he comes to introduce himself, and he goes, hey, I want to I wanna say hello. Um, my name's Butch. We've been living here for about 30 years. And he goes, by the way, I want you to know that when the liquor store closes at 9 o'clock, we open up our trunk, and we sell liquor through the night, right? <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, he goes, and by the way, we keep this neighborhood safe, he said, right? <laughs> it's true. And he goes, if you're good, I'll watch over you and your wife and, and your son. Make sure everything's fine. And um, I would have laughed, but I was scared, right? <laughs> and I go, well, I'm Pastor Chris, and this is Pastor Monica, and we're going to start a church in this house. And he goes, oh, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> I swear to God, right? <laughs> you know, and, and there went our neighborhood, right? Not in a day, not in a week, but as we began reaching out on our block, bringing drug addicts, prostitutes, going into the homeless shelter, bringing them into our home, having church, going through discipleship programs, working with their teenagers, we started seeing lives change. In, the, in, that, in that first two years, we, the bootlegger had stopped bootlegging next door. The crack house behind us shut down. And then the other crack house down the alley, we bought that and began a discipleship program for those in, who are in drug addiction. Amen? I mean, God began to work. You see, I believe that God does miracles even still today. Even today, he does miracles. Now, we all remember a couple years ago, you know, uh, the Minneapolis miracle. Remember the Minneapolis miracle, right? There's a few of us maybe who like football, right? And <laughs> Stefan Diggs, last 20 seconds, sent 27 seconds of the game in the playoffs, right? And that, that amazing catch and where they win the football game, and, and it, was, it was something else, right? I, I have to admit that I'm a sinner in that I tend to scream louder at football games than I do in church, okay? I'm sorry, you know, I, I know it's wrong, but that's what I do. Anyway, um, now that was an exciting day, but let me tell you something. Just eight blocks away from that stadium, eight blocks away from that stadium, miracles have been happening for the last 29 
years. Those videos, those faces you saw up on that screen, Reggie, who was doing a lot of the talking in there, he came to us out of prison. He came to us as a gangbanger. He was somebody that would steal from you. He was somebody that was dangerous. Today, working a job, living in our new uh, discipleship apartment building, God is continuing to work in his life. He's one of our leaders helping reach other men. You see, God does miracles even today. From our house, after about six months, we had literally outgrown our house. We had like 90-some people packed in on the living room, into the bedroom, into the, and then the kids were in the basement. And so we needed a new space. And so, Lord, we needed another miracle, right? And so uh, um, at that time, in the early 90s, um, Minneapolis, um, of course, we, we've all seen in the news Minneapolis for the last couple of years, right? But let me tell you, back in the 90s, it was more dangerous then than it was a couple years ago in Minneapolis. Matter of fact, murders were doubling every year, and the New York Times had put on their front page calling us Murderapolis. It was amazing back in the 90s as gangs were flooding into Minneapolis from Chicago and from Gary and Milwaukee, and they were fighting for turf because crack cocaine was selling twice the price in Minneapolis that it was back in Chicago. So it was a crazy time. Uh, we, there was, we, we saw the National Guard in, on the TV a couple years ago, but we had the National Guard in Minneapolis in 1993. It was so bad. And yet in the midst of that, we knew God wanted to do something great. And so the city was trying to clean up our street, and they took over the liquor store that was down the street from us and the porn theater, and they, and they put the guy in jail. <laughs> I don't know, taxes or stealing or who knows what, they, what he did, right? Anyway, the porn theater became available, and I thought, Monica, let's go there, right? <laughs> and so I called the city, and they leased us the porn theater for $25 a Sunday, right? <laughs> <laughs> right now it, it was cheap but the place was disgusting <laughs> you know matter of fact we had a uh, north central university the bible school uh, is not too far away from us and so we during their work day we had uh, we had students come to help us clean it out for the first time and i'm not sure how many kids lost their salvation helping us clean out that porn theater but <laughs> no <laughs> but it was disgusting the walls we, we had painted the walls, and then during the week, people would break in, and, um, and they would uh, graffiti over our, our painting, and um, we would paint over that, and then they would paint cuss words and gang symbols, and we just said, ah, forget it. You know, just whatever it is, it is, because it's not about what's on the walls, and it's not about the disgusting floor. It's about the Word of God that changes lives. You know, it's when the Word of God comes into our life that we have the opportunity to change. We, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes even still today, I'll be driving through downtown or in our neighborhood, and um, I'll see a bunch of guys standing at the corner or at the bus stop, and, um, or, and, and, and sometimes we get this crazy idea like, why don't they just get a job, right? Maybe you've thought that before, right? What's wrong with them? How come it does this, right? 
The bottom line is that if a job changed a life, our city would be different, right? If a free hot dog or a hamburger would change a life, our city would be changed because we've given out millions of them. What we need is a miracle, and miracles happen when the word of God comes into our heart and our mind, and we become changed. It was amazing how God began to work and move and, 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 and touch people in our ministry, not just in our early years, but all the way through the last 29 years. I remember, um, I, I remember when we were in our house and we were packed and we were just praying, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to touch people? These people are so broken. You know, in, in Mark chapter 2, there's a story about Jesus teaching in a house. Matter of fact, he was in a house in Capernaum, and the Bible says that people were just packing inside the house to hear him teach and to watch him do miracles. So many people that it spilled out into the streets. There was, there was a man who was a paralytic, and he had four friends who had an idea. They had this crazy idea. Hey, let's get our friend into that house to meet Jesus. And so they, 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 I can imagine them coming to the house, but it's packed. There's no way in. And so they had this cra another crazy idea. Let's get a ladder. Let's hoist him up on our shoulders or using his loins or, or sheets or his clothes. Let's get him on the roof. And then at the roof, they opened it up and they dropped him down with their, with their robes right in front of Jesus. You know what? When we need a miracle, we need to bring it right in front of Jesus. I know that's simple, and I know we've heard it a million times, but I'm, I'm guilty of another sin, not just screaming louder at football games, but I'm guilty of another sin, and that's trying to fix things myself before bringing it to Jesus. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, I try this and I try that and I try, and then suddenly I think to myself, well, maybe I should pray about it. <laughs> maybe I should really pray about it, <laughs> right? Maybe I should grab my wife's hand and we should pray about it because we know that God can do what we can't do for ourselves. Back in those Back in, in Minneapolis when we were doing outreach, every year we do something called Hip Hop Jam on the Ave. It's, a, it's five nights of block parties and concerts where we set up full stage and we set up lighting and uh, concert sound and we go to the worst places in Minneapolis and we do outreach. And, um, and this one year we were um, not too far from um, our church um, just on Portland Avenue and 18th Street, and um, this was a this is a this is a park a park where there's literally every night dozens of people just shooting heroin out in the open. It is a it is a hurting hurting place, and we were there, and so we set up our stage and our outreach. But we decided that we are going to we're going to spend a couple days in this location. Anyway. Um, just before the outreach started, there was a family who were living in the homeless shelter who, um, who had just gotten saved, 
and the husband's Paul, the wife was Kathy, and she was pregnant. And, uh, and, and just before the outreach, she was to deliver the baby. So while we're setting up the stage and we're putting up the lights and everything, we got the call that Kathy had had her baby, and, um, but the baby was born with a heart that was three times larger than it was supposed to be. And so her name was Lexi, and she was rushed literally from delivery to emergency surgery as they did open heart surgery on Lexi's life, just out of the womb. And so we're doing outreach, and we're praying, and they're doing surgeries. And for the next three days, um, literally, she had multiple surgeries. Um, it, was, it, was, it was so bad, though, that they, they didn't even close up her chest. They, 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 by the end of the third day, they just wrapped her in cellophane, um, because, and they had her on life support as they were allowing Paul and Kathy to get used to the idea that there wasn't any hope for Lexi. We're in our final night of outreach on Portland Avenue, and, um, and just before Monica gets up to preach, um, she goes, you know, we all need to pray right now. We need a miracle. And she talked about Paul and Kathy living in the homeless shelter who just had a baby and the heart was enlarged and they're about to pull Lexi off of life support. And they're in this park filled, drug addicts, you name it, rough people, not church people. But everyone understood that pain. Everyone understood loss. Everyone understood that trauma, right? And people began to pray. <laughs> they don't even know God, but people began to pray. They followed our lead as we're just crying out to God and just believing and asking God for a miracle. Well, that next morning was the morning when they were to uh, pull uh, Lexi off of life support. Monica's in the hospital room with, with the family, with Paul and Kathy, and they're getting ready for, for just the bad news, and they're praying. And so as they start unhooking the wires and the tubes, they get down to the, to the machine that was keeping the heart pumping and the blood moving. And as they unplug this machine, suddenly... On her own, Lexi's heart started to beat. The doctor goes, I didn't do that. <laughs> I don't think he was a believer, but God did a miracle. He did what nobody else could do. He did what only he can do and what he loves to do. You see, I believe in miracles today. I believe that God can touch your life. I believe that God can touch your children. I believe that God can touch your neighbor. I believe the things that are impossible for us and things that seem, seem improbable, God can make it happen in an instant. From, our, from the porn theater Literally, the city was about to rehab this building after being in there a, a year, and so they were kicking us out. I don't know where do you go when you're kicked out of a porn theater, right? <laughs> now, they had stopped showing porn, right? <laughs> but everyone still knew, hey, that's the church that meets at the porn theater, right? <laughs> anyway, 
Um, so <clears throat> we had heard there was a building going up for auction in the neighborhood. It was abandoned. It was a 40,000 square foot eyeglass factory, four stories that had been that had been closed for years, and um, and it was being auctioned for taxes. So Hennepin County was auctioning it off. Um, and so we walked through the building um, with a contractor and with our, our superintendent at the time, Clarence St. John, and, uh, and, and, and the, the roof was leaking, the, every wall was shot, every mechanical system destroyed, rusted, filled with asbestos, uh, the basement under, under inches of water, uh, feces everywhere, outside prostitution, we, the building next to it, drug building, this is where we want to be, <laughs> right? Matter of fact, my wife and I would drive past this place and we'd raise our hands even before we started the church. Lord, touch those families, touch those women. You know what I mean? We just knew that God can do what, what no one else could do. And uh, anyway, so we, after the walkthrough, um, the contractor told Clarence St. John that, hey, tell him not to buy it. It's a money pit, right? <laughs> but they didn't really take us seriously, you know, Luke. And, uh, and so he, they never told us that. But a couple months later, we went to the auction. We had $10,000 in our pocket. And we thought, man, we're going to go buy a building, right? And uh, now the city um, would give you a contract for deed with 20% down until you could until you can get it up to code, and then you would refinance and pay off the contract, right? That's what they would do for these, these tax forfeitures for condemned buildings. And so, and so we thought, okay, I'm doing the math. I know what we can, what we can afford, right? And so we, um, so we go to the auction, and the room was about this big. It was at the government center, and it was packed with people. And, um, and it was a little, a, a little uh, nerving because I've never done anything like this before in my life. And a lot of these people were bidding on this same building. Um, there was many buildings for auction, but this was one that was, had a lot of interest. And so anyway, we, we get in the room and the auctioning starts and I got my card and I'm just, I'm just bidding like Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Like I got all the money in the world, you know, <laughs> and I'm just going to buy this building. And, uh, and, uh, and so it goes 5,000, 6,000, right? It's 10,000. You know, it, it, go, it keeps going. It's moving fast and the, and the room is like buzzing. And we hit 50,000. I go, Monica, I think we're done. We don't have enough money to make this down payment of what we need. Um, and so uh, I'm sorry. She goes, keep going. We got money in our bank account. Let's just give it all. And I'm like, and like, I wasn't thinking straight, and I agreed to this, right? <laughs> I said, okay, we're going to keep going. So it goes 55 and up and up. We hit 76,000. I go, Monica, really, we're done now. Um, if we, every dollar we have, all of our credit, you know, on our, on our, on our, on our checking account, you know, we're, we're, this is it. And um, she goes, just one more. I know it's going to be our building, right? And so, so I go, 76.5, right? And where the room was going fast and it was loud and it was exciting, it went quiet. And, like, we're all kind of stunned what's happening. And the auctioneer goes going once, twice, three times to the inner city church. <laughs> and everyone starts clapping, right? And uh, Monica goes, what happened? What happened? I go, you just bought a 40,000-square-foot dump, right? <laughs> Of course, she bought it, right? Not me. 
<laughs> and that was, that was where God continued to do miracles. And he had been doing miracles in our ministry continually ever since. Matter of fact, a couple years ago, a few years ago now, I thought I was living the dream. We were packed wall to wall. 400 people crammed in on a Sunday. Outreach teams going out every single day. We're helping people, feeding people, discipling people. I mean, I'm thinking, oh, God, this is great. I'm reaping the benefit of not quitting, you know, <laughs> and, and enjoying and enjoying what we would consider success, right? And then the pandemic hit. We all remember that, right? I know it wasn't too long ago. And we wish we probably were tired of talking about it. But it was stunning to me as we went from wall-to-wall -wall people to an empty auditorium preaching and playing worship into a camera. It was hard for us. And so we just prayed, God, what do you want to do? Where do you want us to go? How are we supposed to pivot? And suddenly, the miracle became the church. As our sanctuary went from wall-to-wall -wall people to wall-to-wall -wall food, as we began helping families who in those early days, it was very, very scary in downtown anyway. I don't know what life was like out here, but in downtown Minneapolis, the police literally shut down the city. And you could not even move unless you were what they called an essential worker, right? Now, we went out and we just started feeding families. We started going to the homeless encampments, which were growing every single week. We started just doing more outreach than we ever had. The church and volunteers were coming in and pouring in food so that we can minister to our community. And it was amazing to me to see how God used this ministry to be a hand to continue to help the hurting. It wasn't the way that I thought it should go because I'm used to the old way. But you see, God's ways are not our ways, right? His ways are higher than our ways. In those years of the pandemic, we saw the ministry expand like we never seen in the 20 years prior. Yes, we always reached people, but before we knew it, there was vacant lots across the street that we had prayed about, and those came to us. A 20-unit apartment building next door that we had tried to buy three times, and that building came to us. We saw God do miracles like we never saw before. We had a couple of people write checks to the ministry to buy the land and the building like I've never seen before. I've heard about it happen on TV. I've heard the stories for other people, but God poured out his blessing on the ministry. And once again, all we can say is, God, you are good. But things shifted again a couple years ago. Things shifted again as we were doing outreach and feeding people in the parks. We started seeing smoke arise just a mile away. Lots of smoke. A couple days before that started happening, we started seeing on TV the video of the police officer on the neck of George Floyd. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was disturbing to everyone who saw it. And 
we started seeing in those first couple days people coming into our city from all over the place. And we started seeing marching and we started seeing protesting until the smoke and we knew that this was bigger than something we've ever experienced before. I was on one side of the city, Monica on the other, and, and I go, Monica, do you see what I'm seeing? She says, yes, we're texting each other. I said, I'll meet you at, uh, at, at Target on Lake Street, so Minnehaha and, thir and 30th Street, Lake Street and Minnehaha, which was the epicenter of the rioting. And so we get, so literally, we found, I don't know how we found each other, walking past cars on fire, trucks on fire, people protesting, people saying the most horrible things, throwing bottles, and it was people running out of buildings with shopping carts of, of food and, and TV sets. And I, we, we ran into each other in the parking lot in the midst of all this chaos. And all I can think of was, I don't know this. I don't know these people. I don't know this city. These are not, this is not my community. God, what do you want us to do? I don't know what else to do when I'm in my back's against the wall. Except just, just go. And so we went back to the church and we got all our sound equipment and we loaded up our van and we went to our ministry team who was working with us and we said, okay, we're going to go into the middle of the riots tonight and we're going to pray and we're going to do worship because that's all I know what to do. And you guys can stay or you can come. No one has to come. God told us to go in. He never told us we're going to come out. I swear to God, that was the community. That was the story. And so our, our, uh, most of our team went. A couple didn't come. They said we're going to stay back and pray. <laughs> and that was fine. And, uh, and as we're going in, in the midst of all of the rioting and the chaos, people are spray painting our van and, 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 and we start sending up our sound equipment and these anarchist kids start trying to tear our stuff down. And then some, some, some big guys from Mad Dads, it's, uh, they, they, um, they do a lot of community outreach. They came and circled us until we got our stuff set up because they knew us, they knew of us. And, 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 uh, and so we set up our equipment and next thing you know, we just start, we start playing music and we start singing and we start praying and praying for people. And before you knew it, there was a huge crowd that circled around us and were praying and worshiping in the way that they could with us. There was Muslims there. There was, there was whites. There was blacks. There was people from every, the whole, as we all knew this, that we needed God to touch our city. I know it sounds crazy, but what else can I do? When, when the place is up for grabs, we need God. We need God to touch our city. We needed a miracle. The next couple days, we kept going back, and then we started, and then on Saturday, I sent out a note to, um, on, on Facebook, said, hey, I'm going to do a prayer march from the Life Center, which is 18th Street, to George Floyd Square, where George Floyd had been killed, uh, 38th Street, so a two-mile prayer march. If anyone wants to join me, right, I expected about 50 people to come. After our video service on Sunday, there was 500 people waiting outside in our land across the street. 
We had pastors there, Pastor Rob Ketterling from River Valley and Pastor Neil from Cedar, from big churches. And they're, and they're like, wow, this, is, this was kind of overwhelming. And Pastor Rob, he's the pastor of the largest church here in Minnesota in the Assemblies of God. He goes, Chris, um, I'm here, team's here, um, there's a lot of people here. You got permits for this? <laughs> I go, there's no permits. <laughs> There's no permission. There's no permits. We're just doing what we feel God would have us to do. And I go, I don't know if we're going to go two blocks or two miles, but let's just, we're going to get going. So we prayed and we started, and I was driving the truck in the front with the sound equipment, my son on the guitar and his wife on the microphone leading worship, and we just start walking down Chicago Avenue. You know, we expect what we see on TV. People throwing rocks at us, get out of here, you know what I mean? But instead, people began joining us and praying with us. And Christians from the suburbs and from the city began to just, just start praying and worshiping down Chicago Avenue. We're going right through stoplights all the way down. Cars are backed up forever. And you know what? The police didn't stop us. The, the community didn't shout us, get out of here. Instead, they supported us. We made it the two miles to George Floyd Square, and, and, and there at the time, I don't know if you saw a video or TV, but they had, there was local militia who had barricaded a block around George Floyd Square. So nobody can go in without being let in in those early days. And so, and so we, we, we dri I'm driving up, and behind me now our crowd is like a 1,000 people behind us. I'm serious. And, um, and, and so Monica and a couple of her uh, deacons slash uh, um, security, I don't know, bouncers, right, <laughs> go, to the go, to the, go to the gate. And they say, hey, we want to come in and we want to go pray in the middle of George Floyd Square, you know. We don't want trouble. We're not trying to do anything, not trying to protest. We just want to go in and pray. Like, you can't come in here thousand white people behind us you know what I mean I mean there was all kinds of protests going on the most horrible things being said we all saw it on TV I don't need to repeat it and uh, they said no you can't come in here you, you, there's no room you can't come and then one of the guys on the militia said hey that's Pastor Monica let him in <laughs> now now churches around Minnesota a lot of people know me because I speak at churches right but in the neighborhood everyone knows Monica and I'm Monica's husband, right? And uh, that's Monica. Let her in, you know. Oh, Pastor Monica, all right. And so, and so they, they literally took their chain link uh, gate makeshift barricades, opened it up, and we all drove in. And we went as close as we could to the center of the square. And then Monica had us all get on our knees and in silence and begin to pray. And there, a block back on Chicago Avenue, all of our group, everyone got on their knees. And then when we did that, there was all kinds of protesting going on the three different corners. And suddenly, they all got quiet and dropped on their knees. It went from defund and kill the police to people just calling out on God. All of a sudden, one of the girls who used to prostitute in that neighborhood who had given her life to Christ in our ministry began to belt out this old gospel song. 
And people started weeping and crying. It was so powerful. It was one of those times where you feel like heaven just dropped down. I don't know what we changed or if anything changed. I don't care that we never made it on the news. But you see, this is all I know to do when I'm up against the wall and I need a miracle is I got to bring it right in front of Jesus' feet. Give God the opportunity to heal. Give God the opportunity to deliver. Give God the opportunity to help. He still does those things even today. You know, if there's something I've learned in the last 29 years, is that, is that God truly loves and cares and is involved in our life. I, w I was somebody who grew up in my young years as an addict. I was using, smoking, taking pills, drinking. I was doing something every single day. But Jesus did a miracle in my life. The miracle didn't happen overnight, but over time, God changed me and turned me into somebody who could be useful and helpful. And I believe that if God can do it for me, my wife Monica was literally picked up off the streets of Chicago 14 years putting a needle in her arm, shooting heroin. Literally picked up off the street, passed out. If God can do it for her, he can do far easier things for so many of us. Do you believe it, Pastor? how to uh, follow anything like that up because personal testimony that doesn't get you nothing well and so today I I don't know where you are but something that just keeps resonating with me is that giving God a chance like you want a miracle ask will the miracle look like you want it to maybe it might will miracle always be easy no, no, definitely not. Going through George Floyd, going through COVID, having people tell you no, no, no. And there's a lot of story Pastor Chris didn't share. We always look at the book of Acts and we see the, the miracles and we're like, man, that's the way the church is supposed to look. Well, the historian, Luke, who wrote Acts, didn't write all the details that went in between all those miracles of the great things that God did in the time of the early church. But God shows up, and I think you, you nailed it when you said faithfulness. Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting. Keep pressing into God. And so today, I don't know where this leaves you, um, but I sure hope that you will commit that area in your life where you want a miracle to Jesus and see what he will do. Give him 
full control. Stop trying to do it on your own and let him have it. And so, Pastor Chris, thank you so much for sharing. Like, I, I love stories. I absolutely love hearing what God has done. And you were able to hear some pretty awesome stories. And, and if you feel led to give today, you can just put Pastor Chris or the Life Center or whatever you want, missions, and you can put it in the offering today and we'll give him very generous check to support what they're doing there. And if you feel led to donate on a monthly basis, I encourage you to do that. Talk to Pastor Chris, and he can set you up and how you can do that. Of course, if you noticed when you walked in, there's coffee out there that they, uh, that they sell to support the ministry. And so I encourage you to do that, too. You can have it delivered, and he can set you up with that. So today, we're just going to end our time together by praising Jesus. Like, after I hear an amazing testimony of what God has done at ICCM, I just want to give praise to Jesus. I want to give him glory. So we need to raise the roof today. We need to give him glory and shouts of praise today. So if you would stand with us, worship team is going to come back up. And I'm just going to do a quick prayer for Pastor Chris and his team. Father, thank you so much for Pastor Chris and his wife Monica and children, Father, and all that you're doing, God. I continue to pray for miracles, God, at ICCM Life Center, Father. You do such a great work, Father. And as we step out and and touch the edge of where our boundaries go, and you meet us, Father, that's where the miracles are. And so, Father, I pray that for them, and I pray that for every individual here today, God. Miracles happen when we get on the edge of what we can do and allow you to work. And so, Father, press those edges today on every person who's listening, and may you be glorified. God, when you do a miracle, you are glorified. People cannot question when God moves and heals and does miracles. So, God, do it today in Jesus' name.